Allison, uh, I met you uh, a couple of weeks ago, and and I think we're fast friends. I think uh, uh, y- you are one of those people that I have watched on TV, uh, enjoyed. I, I I know who your mom is, who's a very very famous voice actress. Uh, growing up in that kind of showbiz house, your, your brother is an actor as well. He was on Land of the Giants. Um, and my father was on Broadway. He was in uh, Tamerlane and um, Luther on Broadway, the big Albert Finney production of Luther in the 60s. Wow. And so he, when he was in Tamerlane the Great on Broadway, it was with William Shatner, because like Canadians, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> Montrealians. Um, Anyway, so 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 growing up in a in a showbiz household, this uh, I know childhood is childhood, and there's nothing to compare it with. But do you think that's different than growing up in, let's say, you know, being your, your father and mother being lawyers or teachers? Yeah, I mean, the closest I could compare it to, since we all went to work, oh, and then see, oh, and my aunt was a concert soprano, uh, my uncle was a violinist with the symphony. It's like, okay, does anybody not do it? Um, I thought everyone was on TV till I was like seven. I thought people took it in turns and like, you know, it's like, your turn, you have a show now. Um, until I was like seven or eight, it's like, wait, people aren't all on television? Uh, so, cause it seemed normal while our friends were on TV. I think the closest I can compare it to is if your family ran a store and you went to work in the store. If you had a family business of some kind and as a child or a teenager, you started working with them and then continued into it. That would be the closest I could imagine because most jobs you don't start at, you know, five. Mm-hmm. Um, but it seemed it seemed normal at the time because everyone we knew was doing it uh, and we were living in Hollywood. Um, it was definitely completely crazy and not like other people's childhood at all, at all, at all. Uh, it was kind of good that because a lot of my friends who were child actors whose parents weren't in the business, they were the parents were sort of blindsided by everything. They just they, they had no previous experience, so it was that at least. But you grew up in a kind of Hollywood that doesn't exist anymore. Um, it's almost a free for all now. There's you know when <laughs> young women go into into Hollywood, there's all kinds of checks and balances now because of the Me Too movement. And my God, you know children okay. should be protected. Yeah. You you actually navigated through uh, a, a lot of abuse. Uh, you you navigated through a lot of different crap. Yeah, yeah. Well, now I mean, you know, there's hotlines. There's there's you know all these workplace conditions hotlines. The union. There's sexual abuse hotline. Uh, kids can call. There's a whole program looking ahead for child actors. They can get counseling. There's like actually places you can call if you're having a problem. Um, I had a little advantage that my father became a manager, and that's crazy story. My dad working for Liberace, um, but that meant that. We're in a lot of situations where I might've gone to something alone, my father and his partner, Jess, the other manager, often came with me and word got out. When I was in my teens and early twenties, people used to say like, well, don't bother with her because she'll she's just gonna bring those two guys with her. She's gonna show up with the, you know, the hoods. And, um, and I was like, yeah, well, clearly I need to, if that's your attitude. <laughs> so, <laughs> I just, there were things I wasn't called for. I mean, it's kind of horrifying. I think about how many parts I didn't come in to read for because the person in charge was looking to sexually harass women and went, oh God, don't call her. She's going to show up with her manager. And besides, she'll probably just like throw a chair at you or something if you say anything to her. So like, don't even start. And I think I think I had a reputation that I might like, you know, hit you with a chair if you, you assaulted me. So um, they didn't call. <laughs> 
Well, yeah, but you did dodge that as well. I mean, you know, who wants to be involved in that? You know, uh, Savannah, you you had uh, you grew up in the uh, I'm going to say the 90s. Um, you're a child of a different era in in, yeah. in all of this. As women are were stepping forward more and more to produce and direct, that had been done. I mean, there are women like Ida Lupino and, and you know who are just incredible at everything. Uh, but it, it, you know, Nora Ephron comes to mind, and and there are others. You know, but but it wasn't quite as um, um, present as. Right as in the 90s when women started to actually write and direct and produce. So you're kind of a trailblazer uh, here in Utah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I grew up, um, you know, in Alpine, Utah, and um, I went to school in uh, uh, Alpine at Timberline Middle School, and that's when I first started writing my first script. And, you know, it, it was... Um, it, it was interesting, you know, like growing up and a lot of naysayers, you always have to, um, deal with, you know, people being, you know, being mean and, you know, the, there's the haters like, oh, sure, you know, you're going to make this movie. Sure. When pigs fly, I'm like, all right, well, I'm going to show you pigs can fly. <laughs> um, but I, I had a really awesome opportunity, um, going to East Hollywood high school which ironically is here in Utah. It is not in LA. Everyone thinks- We don't have an East Hollywood high school. We have a Hollywood high school. We don't have an East Hollywood high school. That's why I'm like, what? Exactly. <laughs> everyone everyone gets confused when I say, hey, I went to East Hollywood high school. They're like, oh, California. California. It's like more like West Valley, Utah, you know? And, and I had to commute, you know, coming from Alpine. It was like a 45 minute drive, but you know, I, I had amazing teachers um, in screenwriting and acting and production. And, you know, I just I just caught such a fire for it. And I thought, you know, women, we need to tell these stories. You know, um, we need to tell these um, specific stories, you know, for women, written by women for women. And, um, you know, uh, it, what's interesting, Allison was telling me the other day about the, the Beck Bechtel test? Bechtel test? Bechtel test, yeah, yeah, yeah. crazy. So, it, Bechtel test was started, there was a cartoon, but it's cartoons Bechtel, and she had a whole conversation about movies, and it's now become this sort of catch-all term for when you watch a movie, does it, does it pass the Bechtel test? It's like, do two female characters speak to each other without a guy in the room, or is it only over the guys? And if the two female characters actually have a conversation by themselves for five seconds, do they only talk about the guy, or do they talk about something else? And if you watch a lot of action movies and things, you will see that, yes, I said the female characters never speak. Not her movie, her movie, it's lucky if the guys talk to each other. It's true, it's true, it's like, so, so our movie, you know, definitely passes that test. And, and I think, you know, that was part of my goal is to, um, you know, write and, and produce a movie that, you know, ha has uh, positive role models for women that it's not just about, you know, a story about getting a guy because, you know, women, we, we have dreams, we have goals. And, you know, of course our love lives are, are a part of that, but that's not all who we are.
Are we there yet? Yep. We're here. It's a short drive from your neighborhood to your naturehood. To find a neighborhood park or green space near you, visit discovertheforest.org. Allison, uh, mentors. I mean, I know your parents were there and all of that, but uh, Richard Bull was was somebody close in your life? Absolutely, yeah. Richard Bull, who played the wonderful uh, Mr. Olson Nails, uh, he was a graduate of the Goodman School in Chicago, so you know, major training there. And then, of course, Catherine McGregor, our Mrs. Olson, she studied with Meisner in New York. So, well, everyone on the show, they were all these incredible actors, like. If you watch Twilight Zone, you can see like half the cast of Little House and all Twilight Zones because they were all working like way, way back in the day. So all these incredible people and are down to the hairdressers and makeup. We, we had Marilyn Monroe's makeup man, Whitey Snyder. We had uh, Larry Germain had been Betty Davis's hairdresser. So it was like we had old Hollywood there and talk about navigating things when they're really rough. And they were there and here we were teenage girls growing up and we had these people to talk to. And, and ask questions and, and give us advice and say, yes, you're doing it right, or here's how it works. Um, and I just, I that was invaluable. I can't imagine what it's like for, for the kids today where they didn't have anybody to talk to on the set. I, I don't know what I'd have done without Gladys to talk to. I, I would imagine children though, you know, look at life a lot differently than adults do in this business. And everything seems to kind of be compounded in emotions. Um, and when when people hate you, your character, right? Did you take that personally and say they hate me until you accepted who who this was? Well, thank heavens, because I was raised in a showbiz family, and we're talking about my mom, the voiceover artist. My mother, Norma Macmillan, was the voice of Casper the Friendly Ghost and uh, Gumby and yeah. Sweet Polly, purebred underdog's girlfriend, and Davy of Davy and Goliath. And uh, so I, I had watched the cartoons and I'd even gone to the studio with my mother. I knew my mother wasn't really a ghost or a talking green ball of play. Very helpful. <laughs> Very helpful to know that early. Uh, and so and we'd have people, people would come to dinner at our house and I had just seen them like die on a police show like the night before. I'd seen them get shot and die on my television. And now they're sitting there saying, pass the potatoes. It's like, it's not real. So early on, I was like, this is not real. Um, I knew that TV wasn't real. And I wonder how many people, like at what age, they figured out movies and TV weren't real. And I was like six and I knew it wasn't real. So that really helped. So when I play, I loved villains. So when I got Nelly, I was like, oh, I'm playing the villain. This is fabulous. So when people hated me, I, I never thought it was me. I went, oh, I'm doing such a good job. I mean, people would say, still, still, people would say, I, I hate you so much. I just want to reach for the screen and punch you. I always say, thank you. Thank you. You're too kind. Thank you. Is is the story about the orange soda true? Oh my God, yes. I mean, I can still smell it to this day. You get hit in the face with an orange soda, you don't forget it. Um, seriously, it was, it was a Christmas parade. I was like 16. Hollywood Christmas parade. I, just, I was like 16 years old and just wham, right in the face. And the car was moving. I have to give this person credit. They had amazing aim because the car was moving and they got me right in the face with a McDonald's <laughs> cup of orange soda. And, and that was the thing is, is I said, wait, things like half full, like a buck 75 a soda left. Someone saw me and was just instantly so angry. They went, yeah, and I was like, oh, well, it made a hell of an impression. Um, but yeah, I had things thrown at me. I went to a fair, the only time I ever went out in, in costume, someone insisted that Catherine McGregor, Mrs. Olson, I go in costume. And I got, a t two little girls came up and kicked me right in the butt and knocked me to the pavement. 
and ran away laughing and I couldn't get up. Petticoats, petticoats are too heavy. I was like a turtle. I was like lying there. Um, so yeah, yeah. People went nuts and I still, I still have people get like totally weird. Pe my poor husband, Bob, people are like, you're married to Nellie Olson. Oh my God, what's that like? Are you okay? Um, so yeah, it's, it's kind of insane. <laughs> Well, yeah, and Savannah, I mean, uh, you know, on your end, you you also uh, have have this similar kind of kind of timeline where um, people recognize you uh, now. You're 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 going to all of these uh, premieres that that we're having around Utah. Arizona's coming up, but but it's a whole different thing. They don't hate you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it was kind of surreal. Um... I was at the movies, you know, my with my my family seeing our movie, of course, even in dreams, the other night, and a couple um, the um, a, a family, and they're usually yeah, like a group of kids, um, ages I don't know six to you know sixteen. They they come out of the theater of the previous showing of our movie, and I I'm just not used to it. They they walk up, they're like, oh my god, Amber! I was like, hi. It's like you're alive! Thank goodness! Like, Greg, you're not a ghost. <laughs> say that about me too. I don't know why. You're alive. And and they they instantly hug me and they're like, I love you. And I'm like, oh my gosh! Like, I don't know. That's that's a really. It's been really surreal for me because I'm not used to it. But like, I just you know I'm very um, thankful and just. I'm grateful that they enjoy, you know, our work so much. And well, the, the juxtaposition, is, by the way, juxtaposition is a word that I don't know what it means. <laughs> um, but 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 between the two of you, the parallel is you you put everything into a script form when you uh, Savannah when you were, you know, meeting a lot of resistance in, in women in film, mm -hmm. and after Little House, uh, Allison, you. You took Nellie on the road and you came to terms with her in your show. Well, yeah, and there was a lot of resistance. There was a lot of because Little House on the Prairie was sort of the redheaded stepchild of Hollywood. It was very weird. It's like uh, the big shows in the 80s, especially, was all the, you know, the Charlie's Angels, the Dallas, the Dynasty, the sexy shows, the, the nighttime soaps. And here we were at Little House on the Prairie. And people in Hollywood, New York, um, they either didn't watch it or pretended they didn't watch it. I, I always met people in the industry who secretly watched Little House and lied about it. Um, but it was seen as something that you didn't watch if you were in New York or LA, but everybody else watched it. And there was a resistance to it that, as if, you know, and my agent talking about the time he submitted me for a role and they said, oh no, this takes place in present day. And he said, you think she comes with the clothes? She's Pioneer Barbie? What, the, what are you talking about? Um, that there was a resistance to people being on Little House scene as, oh, that show, and yeah, whatever. And then, of course, Nellie. Um, yeah, I was very typecast. And I think people thought maybe I was like that. And I was definitely typecast as, well, the bitch. Um, and at first, that was very difficult. But I found the way to overcome it was by doing stand-up comedy, letting them see me as me, getting, you know, out on the road and having that like, look, look, here I am, that, the breakthrough. And then of course the fact I like villains because here I am again in her movie and people are gonna hate me all over again. I am so evil. I am so awful in this movie. Allison, our fans, 
uh, taken back by how how great you are, how how sweet. It's it is really funny, and I might to have people say, "Oh, you're so nice." <laughs> what a thing to say to someone like because you thought I would be horrible to you. What I like kick you or something? And oh, you're so much nicer in person than what? Well, and it's sometimes it's funny. I laugh because I go, "God," and I wasn't even that nice to them. Um, it's like if I'm anything other than awful, people I have nowhere to go but up. Everyone's like, "Oh, she's so nice," because like by comparison, I can be kind of terrible to people actually, and everyone would think I was great, uh, which is really weird. Um, but I do. I, it's so weird that all these years later, all these years later that people are like well you know i met and i met Ellie. she was so nice um <laughs> what did they think i was gonna do i um, think when i met you anyway. i said that too huh she's so you nice did? <laughs> yeah, she's so nice she's so unlike nelly what is this she didn't throw anything at us it's good the idea that as a child on the show 11 12 years old that somehow they were gonna, uh, we really like that and i was like you know, it was a set and, and people had to work for eight, nine hours a day with hundreds of people and crew members and get through the day. If I was actually like that, I mean, what did they keep me in a cage like Hannibal Lecter and like let me out <laughs> just with my seat? Or Russell Crowe. Right. How, how, how would they have functioned and gotten work done if you actually had someone that crazy uh, nine hours a day on the set? <laughs> no. Well, I imagine that part of your nastiness came from that, that outfit. Didn't, didn't that wig just create all kinds of physical problems for you? Everything I was wearing was uncomfortable. When I watch, you know, period piece films, people in the 1700s, 1800s with the wigs and the outfits, I just sit there and go, they're all in pain. They're all in terrible pain. Because um, I was wearing like a you know, 20 pound petticoat and all the dresses with the sleeves to here and the collar to here. And it was like 100 degrees plus lights. And then I first had the wig with the 8 million bobby pins and the giant metal comb like right here. And um, it's one thing to wear a wig for a couple hours for a party, but to wear a wig like that for nine hours straight in 110 degree weather, eh, um, it was it was excruciating. And yeah, it gave me something to work with there uh, and the shoes and everything else. It's like it was a real kind of like a physical test. I mean, that's the thing. It's like there were all these things going on. And on top of it, I was in a continuous state of physical discomfort <laughs> for the whole thing. Which, which only added to the depth of your character. Yeah, you you channel that pain. As we wind down the interview here, I, I I do want to mention even in dreams and 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 twice the dreams. This is a set of movies. Uh, you're rolling out across the country slowly. Uh, yeah. In, uh, tell me a little bit about that process. That's got to that's got to be a hair pulling thing. Oh man, it has been like a marathon of sprints because as you both know, we we had an amazing world premiere here in Utah um, a couple weeks ago, full house. And um, you know, that, that was just the most surreal, fulfilling experience I think I've ever had in my life, you know, especially um, seeing these meeting the audience members these these kids and families that i've never met personally but they they come up to me they're like you need to keep making movies like i loved this and i'm like oh my gosh like that gives me chills you know um so yeah so we are you we you know we opened and only a select number of screens but since um you know we open up with a bang here in utah um, we are expanding to three new states um, uh, this weekend. Uh, 
Arizona, California, and Oklahoma. Mm. Oklahoma! Um, the Harkins Theater's there, um, and people can find out, you know, uh, show times and tickets on evenindreams.com. Just incredible what, what she's done, because she, she made the movie in, at the height of the pandemic, with full safety protocols, not one effects, just brilliant stuff, made the movie, and then she got theatrical release. I have so many friends who are independent filmmakers who've been making films for years, and they're like, well, you know, it's, I'll be lucky if it's on YouTube. I'm trying to get it onto like the internet. Maybe I'll get on Netflix. And I'm like, I'm opening in theaters. My movie's opening in theaters. Where's your movie opening? <laughs> oh, there's that nastiness again. <laughs> This portion of Screen Chatter is presented by VP Dental. Check out our great dental plan starting at just $16 per month. I want to thank you both for being here. Um, uh, and again, uh, go see Even in Dreams. Uh, I think it'll be out on, uh, if you can't see it in the theater, it'll be out on DVD soon, but not real yes. soon. Probably later this year. That's another thing. You can reserve your copy on our website as well. Perfect. Uh, Allison, thank you so much. I'll, I'll be sending you some photos of food. You know you know that. Um, and Savannah, I'll see you at our Algonquin Roundtable uh, writing sessions. Yes, let's do it. Oh, you guys are the best. Thank you both. Thank you.